joining us on this edition of The Joe Crawford Show, Canadian actress Camille Mitchell. The lead singer from the Baja Men, Dyson Knight. And Canadian documentary producer, Greg Crompton. Don't go anywhere, we have a full show for you. Hi everybody, Joe Crawford here with you from the Joe Crawford Show and thank you for joining us for another great episode. Fantastic lineup that we'll have for you, but I want to let you know that you can listen to all our shows anytime you want, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or through my website, joecrawfordlive.com and click on that Joe Show tab and listen absolutely free. So, Take a listen, share with your friends. We have some great guests coming up in the near future, like Biff Naked, Andy Kim, The Spoons, and so much more. So make sure you share when you listen to tell your friends past episodes in this season so far. Debbie Boone, Fred Penner, I mean, the list goes on. So we have a lot of fun here, and hopefully you enjoy listening to us here on the Joe Crawford Show. Great lineup of guests for you this episode. Welcoming back on to my program. I've had her on when it was the Joe Show prior, and now we're having her back on. She's very busy, a Canadian actress. You can see her on the CW. Camille Mitchell will be with us. And then the lead singer from the Baja Men, and also a solo artist, Dyson Knight, will be with us, and we talk everything Bahamas and so much more with Dyson, and we hear his latest single too. And then Canada's first terrorist from British Columbia. We don't actually speak with him, but we speak of the producer of a new documentary that is out, Eddie's Kingdom. This is the first debut of this documentary that is out by Greg Crompton and. I'm telling you, this man named Eddie, the name of the documentary is Eddie's Kingdom. It is beyond unbelief that this was happening. And this guy's alive today. This Eddie guy and Greg and his crew go and follow him and interview him and talk about him. And yeah, the stuff that he was going to do is unbelievable. But we'll talk more with Greg and about his debut documentary Eddie's Kingdom in a bit as well so thank you for joining us great lineup of guests again you can check out my website joecrawfordlive.com for all your Joe Crawford show needs and also make sure you give us a like on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Joe Show Live We're always giving away prizes. A huge thank you. And right now, currently in the playoffs, and they've won round one of the Russell Cup Championship. The best of three against Durham Roadrunners is the Niagara Whalers. Thank you so much to them because they've given us, over the hockey season, a ton load of hockey tickets and even playoff tickets too. We're going to be doing the best of five series and the best of seven series if they make it that far to the finals. But... Just follow along with our Warrior Weather, like us, and you'll know how you can win tickets. And again, thank you to the Niagara Whalers. 
Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, the show's going to start. Mr. Producer's giving me the finger. Let's wrap it up. Okay, let's do it. So let's go ahead. Let's go to break. And when we come back, a full show. So do not go anywhere. McFeely from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and you're listening to The Joe Show on Revealing Talk Radio. Speedy delivery. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, this is Paul Schaefer, and you're listening to The Joe Show. Welcome back to the Joe Crawford Show and rejoining us. And I say rejoining us because she's been on the show before when it was a Joe show. But now she's on the Joe Crawford Show. It's the exact same thing. We just renamed it. That's all we did. And we are so happy to have her with us because she is in a new dramedy that is on Netflix called The Healing Powers of Dude. She's also on CW's Green Arrow and the Canaries and so much more. She's just a busy, busy woman having some time to talk with us again. So happy. Camille Mitchell with us. Hello, Camille. How are you? Hello, Joe. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me back on your show. Oh, you're very welcome and uh, appreciate having you on, especially, uh, well, first of all, I love promoting Canadian talent, and uh, you're out in BC there in lots of filming, we were talking off air, of that's happening in BC, but even more so, even you were a local talent at one point, because you started out in the Stratford and Shaw Festival theaters here, not so far from us at the Joe Crawford Show in Niagara-on-the-Lake at the, the Shaw Festival. Totally. I was there for eight years, uh, eight seasons, and I loved Oh, I used to go to St. Catharines all the time. I I loved that area. I just loved it. Those were some of the happiest times of my life. It was just great. Oh, fantastic and, to hear. Yeah, and Shaw, of course, is a wonderful place to work and to live. And it was uh, it was fabulous. Yeah, and I, I I remember winters there as well. Sometimes we'd be rehearsing <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we've been okay so far, but we were talking off air about some other kind of weather uh, problems that uh, you made to mention one time. You remember the end of May being even strapped in Niagara-on-the-Lake with snow. Oh, yeah. In fact, we had uh, we had a special guest with us. I was doing Marathon 33 at Shaw, and uh, the writer had come up from New York. She had been Gypsy Rose Lee's sister. G- 
Jean Havoc, who had a film career of her own, but wrote about her days as a marathon dancer. And oh my God, Joe, we had this incredible snowfall in May of uh, May 31st, and rehearsals were canceled, and she got snowed in, and and then uh, our opening was a few days later, and the power went out, and we oh. performed. <laughs> uh, we performed with a work light for the first half of the show. It was, it was we put our makeup on by by candlelight. It was, <laughs> it was unreal. It was amazing. The true meaning of the show <laughs> must go on. Yeah, truly. <laughs> and then in a heartbeat halfway through, suddenly all the power came back. It was like, where'd the magic go? It was so exciting. Yeah. Now, do you, like, you being in, in TV now, do you miss your your theater days? I do. I I do. I really do. I miss, I miss the family. You know, when you're doing a show, you're working six days a week, eight shows a week. You... You know, you're in each other's pockets. You you really get to know each other um, as a family, and it it you know theater is really more of an actor's medium anyway, and then TV is more of a writer's medium. You know, you but you kind of you it's it's a little bit more. You know, in a in a series, you like with the healing powers of Dude. It felt very family, and it was a lovely group to work with. But theater. Um, it's just so, and then of course the interaction with the audience, yeah. it just feels more immediate. It feels more real. And, um, I do miss it. I miss it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you. I just, before doing this interview with you earlier tonight, I did a show of a performance again with an audience interaction in that. And then when you do radio, it's like doing a TV show. You don't have that audience. So you don't know the reaction. Uh, okay. Now you're doing a dramedy now on Netflix. So that's part comedy too. And then hopefully that line, whether you have a funny line or a line that is read, you're hoping that gets across to the audience how it should be and laugh at that time. Because if you don't have that studio audience, you don't know what the reaction is going to be like. It's so true. It's so, of course, I never thought that radio would be so similar in that way, radio versus life you know, live interviews. But, yeah, you, you don't. And that's... Um, you know, audiences are great that way. They can really tell you if uh, there's a there's a, a fun story about an acting um, couple who were very famous in the states, Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontan, once upon a time, and uh, he was not getting the laugh on this line anymore. And he came backstage, and his wife Lynn Fontaine said, "Well, you're just not asking for tea anymore." So it, 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 it audience will say if you're being real or not, or yeah. if you're asking for a laugh or, but yeah, a live audience is, is just so fun. And a lot of times they surprise you, right? You don't even know a line is funny. <laughs> and they tell you, they tell you a line is funny. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this new dramedy that you're in on Netflix, The Healing Power of Dude, you play Rosie. And I think this is a, a fantastic show in itself uh the the concept of it i haven't watched it yet and, I, and i'm going to and i and i and i'm not saying that because i'm talking to you i, I do want to see this because it involves around dude is the name of a dog that is almost like a service animal to is it your daughter that would be it's my grandson or oh, your grandson and okay my grandson and he has autism he's um uh he has some autistic autism issues and he gets um, an emotional support dog called Dude, uh, who is actually voiced 
by Steve Zahn, who oh. does a brilliant job. Yeah, nice. yeah, exactly. And so the dog's thoughts, see, the dog speaks its thoughts out loud, but it's done, it's done, it's done beautifully. And, um, it's, it's a very touching show. It's about a, he's a, an 11 year old and he's been homeschooled and he goes to school and he has a really hard time coping and his very devoted family decides it's time to get him an emotional support dog. And this is sort of the, uh, the adventures of the two of them, um, through, you know, in this, in their family, in the, in the schoolyard and in life. And it's, it's a really sweet show. It's a lovely show. Um, I, uh, and it's one of those shows that as a family, you can watch it. No one's going to be embarrassed. No one's going (laughs) to, no one's going to feel they have to leave the room. Uh, it's kind of a multi-generational show, which there aren't a lot of anymore. No, there isn't. You can sit with your grandparents and your children and actually everyone is fine. (laughs) Everyone can enjoy a good old wholesome family show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, it was shot here in Vancouver, and um, it's got a wonderful cast. And the dog is unbelievable. The uh, the dog who plays Dude is really. And the young man, Jace Chapman, it's his first his first big role, and he's just fabulous. He's just charming, and oh. it's um, it's funny, and it's touching, and um, I play his very devoted, overly um, overly devoted. Uh, grandmother. I, it's, it's hard to say that word out loud. That's yes, okay. <laughs> You're not a grandma yet in real life yet there, Camille. No, I'm not. No, no but it's still, it, it hurts a little, I'll be honest with you, Joe. It does. It's like, oh, really? I'm there already? You're one sexy grandma. What can I tell you, Camille, all right? Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you, you're, Mike. You're very welcome. Now, talking about, let's talk about working with, because they say the, the, the two things you should not be working with is babies and pets <laughs> on set right. but i guess uh dude was pretty good the dog was good oh my gosh this dog is is truly the, the dog was was fabulous and of course he was working so as adorable as he was you you know you couldn't really distract him or pet him or but he he was absolutely, and he was a rescue dog. Oh, wow. Uh, he, yeah, the trainers uh, found him in Los Angeles. He was a rescue, but just a brilliant little guy. And, you know, I, I, <laughs> I know that is that is very true. Never act with children or, or animals because they steal the scene every time. And um, they do. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. I can't deny it. Thank now, you. your your character Rosie, you make dog treats um, as well, and and making cappuccinos. I gotta ask you, are you a good cappuccino maker? Because they get some pretty fancy frothing and steaming and whatever they do with cappuccinos. Are you a, a, a cappuccino master or mistress now? <laughs> I can I can act it. I can <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters then. <laughs> yeah, I run I run a cafe and I can I can act I can act a barista. Uh, I wish I wish I could I wish I could say I was a really great I, I'm I'm a killer automatic drip kind of coffee maker, but I I whoa, I I'm not a great uh, espresso latte gal. But um, it is a lot of the scenes take place in my cafe, and um, so I'm I'm making the 
the cappuccinos and faking it as much as I can. <laughs> Camille Mitchell, the new dramedy on Netflix now is called The Healing Powers of Dude, and all episodes are up. You can binge them all in one day if you want, and when the snow comes here in Niagara or wherever the snow is coming near you across Canada, uh, best you can just binge it and watch it all the same day there. It's The Healing Powers of Dude. Now, you're also uh, a mafia boss wife, on CW's spinoff of Green Arrow, uh, called uh, or the spinoff of Arrow, it's called Green Arrow and the Canaries, correct? Yes, and fingers crossed, it uh, it's episode eight of the last Arrow, on um, the final Arrow season. Okay, um, and it just uh, actually ended a couple of weeks ago, and the episode eight of that season is this what they call this backdoor pilot for uh, uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries, which we hope will go to series. Nice. And we, w- we won't know that probably for a while yet, but fingers crossed it will be um, for, for the fall of 2020. Absolutely. Which would be fabulous. It would be fantastic. Yeah. And you'll have to come back on and we'll talk about it then. And by all means, you're always welcome here. It's been a while since you've been on. It's been like a couple of years, I think. It has, but I remember the last the last interview. I enjoyed it so much. So thank you so much for having me back. Oh, Joe. no problem. You're a fantastic guest to have on, and and that. And I, I do want to give you a, a congratulatory shout out uh, for being nominated and and recognized for the fantastic pieces of work that you've been doing with Leo Awards here and there uh, last year and 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 uh, just I hope that you get nominated again this year. I, I can't see why not. I mean, you're fantastic in what you do, but you're also getting recognized for what you do. I know you don't do it for the recognition, but it also, doesn't that feel some kind of validation for you though? You're doing right? Your your peers and the, the viewers are enjoying you as well? Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It, uh, it, it came as a lovely surprise and it is, it is, it's kind of like, Oh, Oh good. Okay. Okay. I I guess I'm doing it right. Yay. Good. (laughs) And, you know, and it's so much fun to, uh, to, to celebrate with, with your, with your peers at those events. And, uh, this past year I brought my family, uh, which was so much fun and we all got dressed up and, it was just a lovely, lovely event. So, yeah, thank you very much, Joe. It, it does. It meant a lot to me. Oh, and you're very even though, even though I didn't win, but uh, you know, it was great. It was great. It was a great night. Absolutely. Well, again, Camille Mitchell, you can see her now on Netflix, the new dramedy, The Healing Powers of Dude. And then keep an eye out. Keep your fingers crossed for Green Arrow and the Canaries. As well, Camille will be a mafia boss, and we'll look for that in the CW's fall schedule lineup, and we'll have Camille on then and talk all about it. Camille, thank you so much. You're a treat. You're a sexy grandma. You're a sexy mama. You're fantastic <laughs> in everything that you do, darling. Thank you so much, Joe. You have a fabulous 2020. Oh, thank, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, too. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have more of the Joe Crawford Show, so do not go anywhere. I'm sorry, so sorry. Hey, this is Brenda Lee, and I'm rocking out on the Joe Show. Rockin' around, 
Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. You rock out too, and keep on listening. My baby whispers in my ear. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's humble and perfect. She likes everyone. She even likes her untidy roommate's weird guinea pig. Allison, wait, are you texting and driving? Allison, no. That's the exact opposite of what I was just saying about you. Why, Allison? Why? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Question, would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? And would you seat them in a car seat that's not the correct one? Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. More info at safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. This is Eric Braden. I play Victor Newman in The Young and the Restless. And I'll be damned, but I just was interviewed on The Joe Show. Be cool. Love you. Bye. Is a singer from the Baja Men. He is a, his own singer as well. He sings with the Visage. He's a very busy man, sings a lot, and which is great. He has a fantastic voice. And so happy that he's with us because he has a new song that's out called Slave to Your Body. Plus, it's a 20th anniversary of Who Let the Dogs Out. So it's a one and only Dyson Knight. Hello, Dyson. How are you? Yo, what's good, Joe Crawford? Nice to be on the show. Thank you for having me, and I'm doing excellent. Oh, yeah, good, good to I hear. Got it. So, for you, though. Yeah, and so glad to have you on. And um, very interested that uh, your friend KC that I came across uh-huh. in a local Tim Hortons Great up here. Friend. Yeah, and uh-huh. he's like, <laughs> I was talking. I was funny. I was doing a phone call and booking a guest, on, and a lady was interested in what I did. And so I was telling uh-huh. her what I did, and then there, all of a sudden, KC comes and he's like, "Oh well, I know this guy Dyson Knight, and, and he talked all highly about you." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, yeah, let's get him on the show." So, yeah, so Casey, you've known for a long time, then. Casey actually um, was—he trained me for my very first job at a hotel in the entertainment department. Casey is a genius um, at entertainment. I don't know if you got a chance to find out more about him, but he is—he's phenomenal. He used to be in a circus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never knew that, and I never got yeah. to know more about him. But I guess was that the Sandals Royal Bahamian Resort that you were a part of in 1997 that you did your first entertainment gig? Do you work for the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, that's that's it. <laughs> oh, okay, awesome. So, yeah, so how did you get into that? Because you went, oh, we got a great research team here on the Joe Crawford Show, but you went to school for bachelor's in computer science. And then, wow. so how did you get yes. into the uh, the resort then? Um, well, you know, leaving high school, I always sang in, and, and danced in groups. And I had a friend, his name is Valenti Fernando, who actually went from high school and started working at the resort. I mean, if anyone doesn't know, the Bahamas is, well, used to be number one as far as tourism 
um, in the region, well, actually in the world. Yeah. Um, so everyone pretty much went from school to a hotel or, or somewhere in the tourism industry. And he was there. I came out of, of college and I was looking for a job. Um, I didn't really like computers. I just did it because my dad didn't want me doing music. Right. Um, him being a musician himself, not thinking that there's much wealth to be obtained in the industry. Um, he wanted me to become a lawyer, a doctor, a computer scientist. So that's how I ended up getting the, the degree. But out of college, um, met up with Valenti. He said that they were looking for somebody. I started working at the, um, at the resort uh, part-time and they loved me. Uh, I was a natural there. I did a whole lot of stuff and, um, I won a whole lot of awards working there, even, uh, talent shows in the, in the region for all the sandals all over the, uh, the Caribbean. Oh, wow. Um, had a really nice career there, yeah, and, and got to meet up with Casey. So that's how I ended up um, in entertainment, actually, because I would MC shows for the best, the top entertainers in the, in the country who would come to the resort to perform. And I ended up doing a few songs with the, um, the resident band, and, and that's how I kind of walked into to music. Nice. And, and on, on all these years later, 20 some odd years later, you are doing fantastic and taking the entertainment industry by the world, uh, not just yeah. over in the Bahamas. Let me ask you this, too. It, it, it just kind of got brought up in my mind because I know the Bahamas got hit bad in September with uh, Hurricane yes. Dorian. How has the uh, the rebuild of Bahamas coming along since then? Well, I want to point your focus to it. the destruction, and it's really, really horrible destruction, took place in the northern islands of Abaco and Grand Bahama. Um, the Bahamas is 700 islands, rocks, and keys. So um, we the, um, the top islands are the ones that were really okay. hurt. Um, those islands are, are being rebuilt, but it's a, it's a very slow process. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. Um, we are just, it's really sad to talk about, but we, but we, uh, appreciate getting the, the information out there. So people in the world can know that we still need assistance. Um, there's still a body count going on, um, to this day. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And, and people are still missing, uh, family members and, uh, not accounted for, um, haven't really been, uh. Um, what do they call it? They say that the doctors need to see the, the bodies to pronounce them dead in, all of, in order for them to qualify as being dead. Oh. So we, we're going through that whole process still. Um, but I've recently visited Grand Bahama. I, I did um, a concert there, um, hurricane relief concert. And the, the spirit of the people is strong. And, and that's really, really important. You can still t- tell that there's a bit of of fear and trauma, um, but their spirit is high. Um, they are rebuilding. They, everyone's helping everyone else, and um, it's a, a sad place to be in, but also a strengthening place to be in uh, as far as hurricane, the effects of Hurricane Dorian. And we are all, all the musicians are doing the best we can um, to assist the Bahamian, actually. Uh, we just got back from Pompano Beach, Florida for a relief concert with a whole bunch of rock and roll uh, legends and um, reggae legends. Um, it was a great concert. So we're still doing these fundraisers and, and, and rebuilding. And also to the Baja Men recorded a fantastic song. You can check out the music video on the Baja Men website, BajaMen.com, of Let's Go Bahamas, which I think is phenomenal as well. 
Yes, yes. And that is actually uh, another um, uh, contribution to the hurricane relief. Every time you watch it on YouTube, hashtag Let's Go Bahamas, um, the money that we get from the um, from the watch, we donate to charity, to the hurricane relief charity. I would be amiss before we go on more talking about your music and yourself, Dyson. How can pop, uh, people uh, donate and be a part of uh, donating to help the, the relief of this Hurricane Dorian? Well, we have the uh, Bahamas Red Cross. Um, you can donate to that organization. I do visit there as well, and they're doing a, a tremendous job. They're actually housing a lot of people from the Abacos. Um, and also, yeah, you could just watch the Let's Go Bahamas um, um, video. It's a great video. It's a great song. Uh, you will enjoy watching it and watch it as many times as you can. Uh, we actually partnered with Sony Latin America and um, promoting that song so that they can gain a lot of traction so they can make a, a substantial contribution to Hurricane Dory. Fantastic. Already over so a million views. Already over a million yeah. views. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Dyson Knight with us here on the Joe Crawford Show, and Dyson has his own music as well, Slave to Your Body, and we were talking um, just before about the relief that your father, who was a musician, eight-degree oboe player, Vernon, actually, yeah, you got started in the music industry, or the entertainment industry with Sandals in 1997, Uh but your dad, Vernon, kind of introduced music theory and trumpet (laughs) to you at age four. Who is your CIA connect? Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) We have amazing research team. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my dad. My dad is an eighth degree oboe player. He actually, um, uh, he played with the Royal Bahamas Police Force Band um, back in his day. And um, he did, they still talk about him to this day. He was like, a superstar at the police force and the eighth degree if, if you don't know that's something it's an exam that you have to take either in england or someone has to fly from england to um administer the test oh wow and his yeah his story about that is it was a big deal you know my mom was carrying me and and they didn't know if i would be a boy or a girl and he made this pact not with the devil but with god that um if he should pass his eighth degree he he would have a boy, and he passed the test. And and ladies and gentlemen, here's Dyson Knight. I am a boy. There you go. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic, man. Yeah, it's the story um, behind him and music. But uh, it's it's a difficult industry to be in. So, like I said before, he always encouraged me to have something under my belt. He didn't mind me keeping music as a hobby. But, um, um, you know, he taught me the trumpet. I was playing the trumpet from when I was four years old. So I'm well-versed in music theory, but never really took it seriously until uh, being discovered sometime in uh, 2000, I believe, I joined my first band. Yeah. Um, A band called Extra. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. had some hit songs with them and. When did you uh, join in the Baja men? Because, I mean, the Baja men were around before you joined them. And was it hard to join into an already pre-existing group? Music really followed me. I'll tell you the the difficult part about being in Bahamian after I tell you how I joined. I uh, mentioned Extra, so I had a few hit songs with Extra um, that 
brought me some attention to the number one Ahsoka band in the country called Visage Band. Yes. And uh, they were short a member and they needed some help. So I, I, I joined with them and, and helped out. I was still with the extra band. But I was helping out with Visage. And with all of this um, exposure, uh, members of Bahamian um, saw me. They saw me in action. They saw me uh, performing here and there. And one of their members um, fell ill. And they asked if I would help them out. And that's that's the story about how I joined the Bahama Inn. They, they, I just got a call one day saying, uh, Isaiah Taylor wants to, wants to meet with you. He wants to talk about, you know, you possibly helping us out for a little while. Um, and it ended up being permanent. I ended up signing a contract with the Bahama Inn. And, and uh, that has been... Um, a blessing and a curse. <laughs> so, here's, so here's the thing. Um, you know, Bahamans, Bahamans has been around for a while. Like you said, they were um, a band before they became Bahamans in 1992, um, getting their first record deal off of the song called uh, Back to the Island. And um, in 2000, they recorded Who Let the Dogs Out. Yeah, 20 years ago. And, 20 years ago and and 20 years later most of our bookings if not all are made off of who let the dogs out <laughs> so so in 2006 is when i went when i really joined the bahamian i'm the youngest member in the band and so from 2006 not being a part of the actual recording of the record every production that we've done since has been really chasing the record so so that's my difficulty in being a band and just getting people to um to see how much more the band has to offer because um before they were big in the US with who let the dogs out they were huge in Japan with with a number of hit songs um but since who let the dogs out there hasn't been a song that has been um really recognized as being as great and I don't think there ever will be um, because who led the dogs? It just has a has a magic. It just has a power. Whenever we perform it, it just wakes up the crowd, and I can see the look in a lot of people's faces when they're singing. They'd be like, "I really hate the fact that I'm singing this song right now, but I can't help it." <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, so so that's that's the, the blessing and also the curse. The curse is having to chase a song as huge as Who Let the Dogs Out. And for me, not being a part of the initial production, I mean, I'm a part of the reproduction of it, right. which is being licensed today, um, which is good for my pocket. But um, just trying to find another song to be a, a big hit. Um, we just recently recorded um, a, a song. I'm not, I don't think I'm allowed to, to, yeah. to say too much about it yet. But um, we shot the video in Miami a few weeks ago. The music video it looks awesome it is under the sony latin american um a label and uh they have high hopes for it i don't think it's dogs you know so uh, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm really anxious to see uh, how well it does because it really is a, another great song yeah and we had on a few years ago uh anselm douglas who wrote yeah. uh the who let the dogs out and it's gotta be hard I mean, to have to try to top that biggest hit song. Yeah, you have other great music as Baja Men, even yourself, uh, as Dyson Knight, and that, yeah. but it just follows around for the longest time. And if you can break through it, great, but 
Yeah, it, it, it's got to be yeah. a difficult thing. And I mean, it, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's, I, it's the thing, eh? Yeah. Um, ex- exposure. The marketing behind Who Let the Dogs Out was phenomenal. Right. I mean, it was a catchy song. It worked for every stadium, for every sport. It it dominated in, in every college. Um, it, it was just, it, it just, it was like, it's a fire. Yeah. And it just kept burning um so you know shout out to the marketing team that that who let the dogs out had i don't think bahamut has seen that type of marketing sense um and it's all about getting your music in front of in in front of an audience um you know i have to say thank you to you for this this interview oh absolutely um because this this helps you know this in, in the whole niagara area and all of canada you know hello from dyson night in the bahaman we have a lot of great music i do myself slave to your body is a hit every every um the feedback i'm getting from that song is phenomenal and um i love it it's a very sexy song um not like you know the jock jam but you know great songs and all all a good song need is um, exposure in order to become a great song. So anything is li- liable to be a hit once it's produced professionally with respect to the audience it's delivered to. And um, it's just a matter of getting it out there. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, as you said that, all of us Canadians in the Northeast of America have just thought we're very jealous of Dyson right now because we're still in the middle, bleak, part of winter and there's Dyson in the nice war Bahamas. <laughs> if this was a video call, you'd cry. It is a beautiful day outside today. It is just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now you, you, you made a mention about, uh, the, the junk, uh, genre, like Junkaroo and, junk-a-noo, or, junk-a-noo. or yeah. junk, yeah, junk sorry. Or, or yeah. rake, uh, rake and scrape. What is, mm-hmm. what, what is that? Like, what is that specific genre? Cause it's, Obviously, it's from uh, from the Bahamas, from the, the Caribbean islands there and that. But what does that specifically entail? I'll give you the shortest story that I can. I, I can. Okay. Um, so, so Junkanoo is our tribal music. Junkanoo is really what we brought from Africa. You know, um, oh. you know, we claim the Bahamas is our own. But, you know, all the people of my hue are originally from Africa. And um, that... Junkanoo is is, a, is is the beat of the drum. And then we've added uh, things over the generations um, to that music. Um, it, has a, it has the beat um, structure of a heartbeat. So if you, if you think about how your heart pumps, boom, 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 boom. That is the, the core structure of Junkanoo music. That's a simple way of, of explain, uh, explaining it. Yeah. Um, we have that parade twice per year we have it um boxing day which is uh december 26th. december 26th yeah and then we have it on um, new year's oh. uh, there are two main groups saxon and the valley boys there are there are four others but they all come from either the saxons and the valley boys so if anyone ever visits the bahamas and you say that you are a saxon or a valley boy you'll probably get a free drink 
All right, so it's okay. just <laughs> just how do I become one? No, I'm joking. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, just say you're from 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 out of town and you're a Saxon or a Valley, and and if you call the right, if the person that you're talking to is one of the two, they'll take you in. They'll give you food. They'll give you drinks. They, you know, they they really love you. Um, awesome. We're really really crazy about Chunkanoo music, and and the parade is phenomenal. Phenomenal, like huge costumes, crepe paper and cardboard, structured like almost like real life very very colorful lots of music lots of dancing um it's a beautiful event and then you have the rake and scrape which is like a backyard party music it's 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 um it comes from it's how we translated country music okay square dancing yeah. So we, we use the instruments that were afforded to us. Um, well, <laughs> made instruments out of like uh, iron tubs and and the saw and use a screwdriver to really make a, a, the sound of a hi-hat on the saw. Um, I believe this, it has a lot of African in it as well because there's a sound in New Orleans, which is one of the ports of slavery, Um called Zydeco and it sounds exactly like rake and scrape music I mean all my life I grew up thinking that rake and scrape music was original and indigenous to the Bahamas but after traveling the world and hearing so much more music you know I ran into this Zydeco and and it sounds exactly like rake and scrape and it is popular amongst the blacks in New Orleans um yeah so so that music is is yeah like I said backyard party it, it's always um humorous lyrically um uh, very very fun lyrics like i have a rake and scrape uh song it's called selling weave you know the weave that women here wear on their on their heads in the hair, yeah uh, yeah so i have a song called selling weave and there are other songs that are are very um jovial um like um, um i almost married the garland and the garland is like an ugly bird um, different songs that have very uh, quite humorous in structure, but they're also serious songs too. But the popular ones in Rake and Straight uh, are the funny ones. Um, it's difficult to find Rake and Straight music on YouTube if you just plug in Rake and Straight, but there it, it is possible. Okay. Um, I wish I can. I can. If you if you want, you can look up the artist um, D Mac. Diaz and Dog, Mac is in Macaroni. Yeah. Um, he is one of the popular rake and scrape artists in the country right now. So if you want a taste of what that flavor sounds like, you can probably look him up. Um, or just, you know, sift through all of my music, you'll find rake and scrape music in there too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and as you made a mention earlier about getting your music out there, because uh, there nowadays everything's all online. But back how it used to be uh, with CDs and things like that, piracy was an issue. But to you, mm-hmm. as long as you got your music out there, you've made a mention before. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter because, and I guess that's how it would get your gigs booked. Then probably right. And and that's that's the goal. Um, I think music is coming back around full circle. Uh, whereas, you know, people can get rich off of selling the albums. You know, there may be a song in the album that no one even ever hears, 
but you the um the writer or the singer of the song ends up getting paid um just for the sale of, of the record but now you actually have to make your money by standing in front of a crowd and delivering a performance that people are going to enjoy um and so it goes back to i think where it all began where people would just have to sing in front of an audience you know in order to to, to be paid i think we're going back there we can do it on on a much um bigger scale because you know it's easier to travel it's easier to get around um but it's all about performance it's all about live performances that's that's where it's at and that's what people appreciate more even people that don't even realize it you know you if you drag a friend that has never been to a concert to a live performance of of a band they never even liked they may walk chances are they're going to walk away loving the band because a live performance gets um gives you an opportunity to really experience the music the way the artists um wanted you to experience it you'll get the story behind it you'll get the theatrics you'll see the passion in the face the facial expressions and in the voice you'll know how difficult it is to perform a song as opposed to just hearing it on the radio where you have all of the um the added uh tricks right. you know the the melodyne the autotune and, and all that stuff now you're going to get the real deal for a performance and you're going to have a better appreciation for the artist and the song and it's easier at that point to say hey this person deserves my 99 cents i'm going to buy their, their their single or or 10 dollars to buy an album and that's where it's at and you're all playing together on stage at the same time because sometimes, and you've and and this is, has happened with you recording, I think with the Baja Men or whatever it's been with that. Not the whole band goes in at the same time anymore and record. It's all done by track. Yeah, yep, yeah. you're so right. Um, our last record, the the Baja Men is nine members. Only three of us traveled for for a studio, and uh, we recorded two records. And then the band, you, you bring it back, and the band learns it, and, and you go from there. Now that's not new. Um, back in the day, you would have the lead singer perform the song, and then they would hire members that would hire uh, professional studio um, musicians that would record the song because they have um, there's a certain um, expertise. Uh, of a studio musician because studio musicians understand tracking. They are, they have perfected um, um, their instrument to the point that they don't have to do too many retakes. Um, so that's the benefit of using studio musicians uh, as opposed to using um, gigging musicians. Okay. Who are raw and, you know, the, the mistakes are part of the, the beauty of the, the, the performance, the live performance. And, in the studio, you you can't really use the mistakes. Also, with being a great entertainer, I uh, I heard your child in the background. You're a fantastic father too. He's trying <laughs> to get his few seconds of fame in too. I think, right? Yes, she's <laughs> she's trying to get at me right now. Oh, she is. <laughs> oh, what's her name? Yes, she is. Her name is Zendara, and her mom just closed the door, and she's trying to. To gain her freedom once again. Oh. <laughs> She's one and she just started walking. <laughs> oh, nice. Now, do you want, I like, so, like, your father, <clears throat> music's a hobby, get something to fall back on. Are you <clears throat> kind of going to follow your same father's footsteps with Zendara? She's wanting to get in music and get, what, or what would you recommend for Zendara? I. I, I've been telling her from she's born that, that she is an incredible 
that she is strong, that she's going to march to the beat of her own drum, oh. that, that she is decisive, that, that, you know, she is studious. She will, she will, she will be like the Joe Crawford shows, um, uh, research team. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm I'm leaving the world wide open um, for her. Um, she's she's gonna do uh, great things, um, or she's gonna be a gamer and she's gonna be like, "Hey, welcome to my YouTube channel." And it's still gonna be, you know, it's still gonna be um, awesome. I think that there's room for for every talent in the world and it's it's all important it's all necessary so however she decides to do it is what i'm going to support and i think that's what i'm going to um what i want to focus on uh, with my children is is just ensure that whatever they show interest in i throw my full support behind it until they decide they're not interested in any anymore because they have to uh, explore yes um yeah, they have to explore. I, I, I want them to have the experience and, and not the regret of saying I could have or I should have. Let them say that I tried and it wasn't for me, you know? Fantastic. Dyson Knight with us. His new song out, Slave to Your Body, available now. Tell me about Slave to Your Body. Okay. How did you come about that? So- How did you acquire this? Um, slave to like most of my music, it's, it's a vibe. It's, it's a flow. Um, with this song in particular, it's on a rhythm called the Sapadillo rhythm that was produced by Freddie God Sticks and Sniper Leonardo Rogers, who are my two main uh, music producers. Um, my wife has a song on this, uh, um, rhythm as well. It's called, um, In Front of You. But I pretty much wrote mine first, um, and I also wrote some of hers with the melody. But Slave to Your Body, for me, was different. Um, It was reminiscent, the track that is, the music was reminiscent of the song I did, uh, which is my first hit song in 2004 called Drop Down and Come Up Slow, which is a a song of a man singing to a woman. Um, I found it in a lot of the... um, music that was being produced around me locally, there wasn't, there isn't much of that. And in a complimenting way, you know, singing to, to the strength of a woman, I feel as though beyond the whole, um, you know, who's smarter, woman or man, I, I think women are smarter, but I also think that they are incredible, especially experiencing, um, in watching, uh, um, pregnancy and and childbirth and motherhood and breastfeeding i feel like they should get a lot of attention and a lot of credit um and i don't i'm not i wouldn't say that the world is doing a good enough job at doing that so slave to your body is a song where i'm saying i am a slave to to you i i i want to serve you um the female the beautiful female the um um the sexy female, um, everything that you do with with your body, with your way, with your walk, with with who you are, is what I want to celebrate. Is it, it has me in a trance. It is something I that I I'm attracted to, and to be honest with with ourselves as men, um, and 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 when we start to feel love, we we love because of the way love 
loving something makes us feel, and it's whether you're in love with a with 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 a um, with any sex. Yeah. Um, if you follow me. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, we we go all in, and for me, it's it's <laughs> I'm attracted to um, physical um, appearance, not so much. Um, the way you're built, but the way you carry yourself. Right. So I guess it's the confidence, you know? Uh, I think I'm getting too deep. So slave no, to your body okay. is a That's song. quite all right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's part of slave to your body. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's a song. And, and some of the lyrics is, it, it, it points to the way a woman dances, but it says, the first line is, I want you to know. I want the woman to know that that I think about you, that I that I am um, crazy about you, that you are you you're in my mind, you're 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 a part of the reason why I work hard. You know, you're the part of you're part of the reason why I want to be a success. Um, the only thing better than being a a I think a great person is is being able to share it with somebody to be able to share your um your success with someone else and and that's that's the song um behind just the lyrics nice um now are we are we able to play that after our interview here on the joe crawford show and have people listen to it as well go to your website dyson knight d-y-s-o-n-k-n-i-g-h-t.com and also look for youtube with that but can we play that on our show here I would like for you to play it after every show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll talk to the producer about that one, but we'll see. Okay. (laughs) Maybe not, but definitely after this one. And yeah, um, um, if, if everyone follows me, um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, subscribe. Um, it is Dyson night as you spelled it. D Y S O N K N I G H T. I would love it, you know, and talk to me, send me some, some messages. I love to respond to, uh, to my supporters and and find out you know what it is you like about what I'm doing, uh, what it is you don't like, what it is that I can even tailor for a certain audience because I am looking to do more um, as Dyson Knight beyond um, uh, Bahamian and see if I can find some success for my children to follow. Fantastic. And have you been up here in Canada? I have. I visited Toronto, uh, Montreal, and Halifax before. Oh, nice. All right. Well, we'll have to get you in Niagara Falls then, too. Yeah. All are cold, though, so <laughs> I'll, I'll be there in the summer. Yeah, they, yeah. So only come during the month of July. Basically, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Dyson Knight, we wish you continued success on your independent journey of music and also with the Baja Man and everything that you're doing. Uh, you, sir, are a fantastic not only entertainer, performer, but singer. Don't forget about us. Come back on any time when you have new music, and we'd love to have you back on and talk more about Dyson Knight, the man, the legend. Thank you, Joe, and thank you to your entire team and all of your beautiful audience. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. We're going to go into break with Dyson's latest single, Slave to Your Body. Visit Dyson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, his website again, DysonKnight.com.
what to do You cooking up a potion with your body Motion and a drink every drop you brew And when you bubble on it, bubble on it, bubble on it Baby you in charge of me Prop it up and rub up on it, rub up on it, rub up on it Take it from control of me And when you bubble on it, bubble on it, bubble on it Baby you in charge of me Rock it up and rub up on it, rub up on it, rub up on it Welcome back to the Joe Crawford Show, and joining us right now is a gentleman who has, or is debuting his new documentary out. It's called Eddie's Kingdom, and he co-produced it and directed it with Tony Saraciello, and it is amazing and interesting to find out about this documentary because people are running, okay, who is Eddie, first of all, and it's about a Canadian well, one of Canada's first terrorists, let's put it that way. And it's very interesting, and you can get mixed emotions about watching this and maybe about talking about it as well. But Greg Crompton is here with us. Hello, Greg. How are you? Hey, Joe. I am doing very well, thank you. Oh, good, good to, to be here. Good to hear. Glad to talk with you. And so let me ask you this, because Eddie Haymore is um, one of Canada's first terrorists and is still alive today. And we'll get talking into that momentarily. But what intrigued you to do a documentary on Eddie? Well, I grew up in Kelowna, which was kind of the area that um, he wanted to build an island theme park right. uh, on, on a small island. And so I just it, it was kind of part of the lore of growing up in Kelowna that there was this island and this guy built a theme park and then kind of went off the deep end and, you know, but no one really knew the, knew the story. And so just kind of when I started making film, 
you know, it was like, wow, this is a story that I'd like to cover. And then it just kind of, uh, you know, at one point kind of the, the broad, the funding came together and, and our research kind of tracked them down and, uh, you know, talking to him, it was like, oh, wow, we have to do this now. Cause I just didn't imagine him still being alive, but he totally was. Right. So what, what was it like? I mean, to speak to this man who is very eccentric, he was an entrepreneur, a barber, a psychiatric patient, uh, a man who took people for a hostage by gun on the island, was making these letter bombs uh, to be with this um, uh, island and uh, fairyland or whatever would have been uh, there. But what was it like talking with this guy and, and trying, was, was he like all there or what was it like? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, I don't know. I mean, I think he's all there in the sense of, you know, he, he has this really strong vision of what is right and wrong. And it's a lot different than everyone else's this version of right and wrong. And, and, and I think in a way he, like he, he, He's unique in the sense of he he doesn't care what anyone else's thinks and he thinks whatever he thinks is is, is is correct. And so he's there mentally, I mean, but but he's also like Omar, uh, one of our interviewees, a journalist in the documentary kind of said, he's like, is he delusional or, you know, just is, is he passionate? And and I think it's like you can think of the one of this, you can think either way and Doc, some doctors have said that he was like schizophrenic. Others said that he was just like an like in their words an Arab guy, and it's this just a cultural thing. So, so I think he's he was always he's always there, but his vision of what's right and wrong is different than I would say what mine is. You know, obviously he's a lot older now. So, is do you think he's more subdued as to what he was back when he was younger when he was going to start this all? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I think he's, you can still see that he would be a very charming guy. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, his, his fire, you know, his, uh, his, you know, waned a bit. Um, and I think, you know, now he doesn't feel like a few people have asked me like, well, do you think he would do some like wild things when you're filming? And like now I don't think he would, you know, right. so it was never concerned about that. Um, but you know, some of the stuff he was saying and even, you know, even some of the stuff he kind of talked to me about what he wanted to do off camera to me or like, you know, not to me, but we, you know, uh, we could film this thing and, right. you know, he was never, he was never like adamant and he was never kind of leading the charge in, in that way. So I was never like frightened in that way, but you didn't um, feel at risk with your life then. No, no, never, never felt at risk. But uh, yeah, but yeah, he's a charming guy. And, but he's also, you know, what he's done in the past is is, is quite questionable. Um, for you know, to put it mildly. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting how you made him mention in the same sentence. He's a kind guy, but the stuff that he's done in the past is unmentionable. So this makes me want to think and ask if he has any remorse, or can people change? No, I mean, he, he, I would say he's been consistent throughout. Like, he doesn't feel, so he kidnapped his kids. And, and I asked him straight up, I was like, well, how do you feel about kidnapping your kids? And he's like, I didn't kidnap my kids. They're my kids. So it's like, I can take them where I want to. Right, okay. You know, so, so his perspective on that's never changed. And another thing, like, 
you know, he beat his wife and he admits to it. But he's like, well, it wasn't my fault because the government was pressuring me and making and, and making me go bankrupt and throwing me in, a, in an institution, like in a psychiatric ward. And therefore, you know, I'm kind of absolved from 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 beating my wife. Right. You know? So he's so he has this kind of this internal logic that that hasn't changed his entire life, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he still wants his island back to this day. So you know, and he's still trying to get it. Yeah, and you know, he is eighty-five, so it's not. He's not. He, he's not going to be as effective as he would be when he was forty. Right. Um, but he still has the same passions and the same desires to the detriment of his family. Like he's totally isolated from them because of his obsession with the island. Now he's still actually like, as you mentioned, he's fighting the government. He's fighting the British Columbia, the provincial government for this island, right? Yeah, I mean, so he so he beat them in the Supreme Court in the seventies, um, but sorry, eighty five. He actually won in the end. But now he's trying to contact the government and saying, "Hey, you know, let let's do a co venture together and let's make this island into you know X Y Z." Like he's got a few different ideas um, on on what to do with it. So he was vindicated. He you know he got his money for kind of the government screwing him over for lack of a better term but he didn't get his ultimate goal which is like well i want my island back i don't want money right and so now he's still going he's still trying to get the island back now this island theme park um in british columbia is by the oak or in the okanagan valley there yeah yeah in wine country so what right now occupies this island now, I mean, we went, we go, so we go there, we film with him, but it's basically just like this, like, it's like a, you know, a beautiful island, five acres, and it's just kind of like tall grass and shrubs, no, no tree, a couple trees on it. There's like nothing going on. There's a few remnants from what he built in the seventies um, that, you know, so he did open the theme park up um, in the seventies, but it's kind of, so there's just kind of remnants of that. Right. Um, there was like a few, like he had a mini golf on there, a mini golf course and a, a pyramid and all this and a few other, like a camel's head and some pretty wild stuff. And, um, there's a, you know, you can play a few holes of mini golf still. And oh, we geez. actually did that with him. Oh, which wow. Which is pretty interesting. Now, Speaking with Greg Crompton, um, director, producer of this documentary of Eddie's Kingdom, it's called, um, talking about Eddie Haymore, who is one of Canada's first terrorists of Island Theme Park in Okanagan Valley. And so do we know then whenever Eddie passes away due to whatever natural cause of death it may be, 10, 15 years, two years from now, or whatever else, who then is then, I guess owns the valley is it still the governments or who has control of this valley then or sorry of this island then yeah also now um just a little backstory so he sold it to the government when he was in a a psychiatric hospital okay so that was the crux of like well a government threw him in the psychiatric ward but then and and then said okay you're crazy however you're sane enough to sign over the island so that's his that's his issue so, so the government actually owned it, and then they turned it into a provincial park in the in the eighties. Okay. So, so he's still trying to get the island back, but it's a but it's a provincial park for the last thirty years. Oh, um, right. So his claim, you know, like I, I think it's it's legally he might have a he might you know if he had enough time and energy and money um, that he might you know there's a possibility he could get it back, but 
but it's in a park now. So I think it would be hard to kind of overturn that. Right. Uh, now, so, I mean, this is an interesting man. How long did you follow Eddie along to do this uh, filming and document? Well, we shot with him for like 15 days, um, but that's just like on camera. Like I kind of like built a relationship with him over the last, like, I guess two to three years okay. um, to get to a point where, where we could film. Well, and I shouldn't say that, like probably a year and then we started filming and then kind of during the filming, there was a few different shoots and yada, yada. So yeah, probably two to three years with him. Was it hard to gain his trust and maybe for him to trust you to know that this I mean, he can turn out to be a bad guy or a good guy, and that's, I guess, no matter which way you look at it, because, again, nice old man, but crazy guy when he was in his 40s, 30, 40 years ago. Um, was it hard to kind of gain his trust or for him to trust you to be like, well, how do I know you're not going to make me be out to be the ultimate bad guy? Yeah, you're labeling this as Canada's first terrorist, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he loves to tell his story. Like the first time I met him, I flew to Edmonton because that's where he lives now. And, uh, and you know, we were, I was like, you know, what do you do with your time these days? And he's like, oh, we go to the swimming pool or uh, he goes to the swimming pool. So we went there and he had all these like printed out sheets of kind of like a bio of his life. And he kind of was handing it out to people. <laughs> so he like really, really wants to tell his story. And I think like we had done a five minute segment on him for our history show that is kind of like a weird, quirky history that we do called BC was awesome. So he saw that and we had interviewed his daughter on that. So I think he kind of was like, okay, these guys know what they're doing in this documentary realm. And, you know, and, but he also really wants to tell a story. I did say to him the whole time um, I said, Eddie, you know, like this is not a puff piece for you. This is a story. We're telling the story of the, you know, of the Island and of you and what happened but there's going to be people who are going to say like pretty, pretty negative things about you and we're putting it in there. And he, and he always said, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Um, huh, he didn't so, care. No, I, he didn't care until he saw it. Okay. Then what <laughs> and, that, that's what was my next question. So then what happened after he saw the final product? <laughs> he, he was, he was pretty pissed. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. But, so, yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think, I, I think we do a pretty fair job of, of showing that, yeah, he was screwed over by the government, but we also have to talk about him as someone who's a kidnapper who beat his wife because that's important to the overall arc of the story, or yeah. I felt it was. Um, and I told him that the whole time that, that that's going to, you know, what it's going to be, we're going to talk about. So, you know, he, he was a little angry and it kind of surprised me on a few of the quotes that he was like really frustrated about, you know, like he didn't talk to me too much about this, the little segment on him being a kidnapper, it was more about that, he, that, that, that another interviewee said that Eddie was above, Eddie felt he was above the law. And Eddie's like, I don't feel I'm above the law. It's just, you know, when you're dealing with corrupt government, um, you know, what, what can you do? So he, you know, he has these kind of surprising reactions that I wasn't um, aware of or expecting. Yeah. But, you know, if we, um, you know, we, you know, we're hoping to screen it at a bunch of different film festivals. And if it screens in Edmonton, uh, I imagine he'll come and I imagine he'll be excited to come, you know, like he, he you know, he's a guy, he likes the limelight to be honest. So <laughs> no, I guess the, uh, what do they say? Bad press is good press and whatever yeah. else, like no matter what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the guy's like, and I think he knows, like he knows his way around press. Like I think part of the reason that he held hostages, like he held hostages in a Canadian embassy in, in Lebanon. Yeah. Right. 
and he and he was calculating to think, okay, like, well, that's going to get me on the news. It's going to get me in the papers, and therefore I can, you know, like, get, go back to Canada and get, um, you know, uh, a fair trial. Which is like, it actually turned out that way. Which, if you had asked me, like, if I if someone would take hostages, is it going to end well for them? And I would say, like, no way. But somehow <laughs> he made it work. So I think part of it was like this PR push of getting his story out there and it and in a in a weird way it, it kind of panned out for him which i think is so surprising <laughs> well i think it is going to be a i haven't seen it myself obviously yet cuz it's going to be hitting film festivals throughout hopefully in september if it comes to tiff here that yeah. uh, we'll be able to see it here then but uh, let me say, first of all, congratulations on this being your debut documentary that has uh, has been released. So this is probably exciting for you yourself personally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's my like first uh, solo director debut for Feature Doc. Um, and we just screened it uh, at the Victoria Film Festival February 11th and then another one February 13th, which is which is super exciting. And then, uh, yeah, I mean. We're hoping it's going to go all across the country and, uh, you know, hot dogs would be amazing and uh, um, the whole deal. So, yeah. Well, we wish you a lot of luck with this. I think it is a great story. I've never even heard of being an Ontario Canada's first terrorist. Of course, it's way out in the West there in BC, but we should know about this because it is part of Canadian history as well, regardless it's out in BC or not. But this is very interesting. It has me intrigued and I am looking forward to it when it comes over this way into the uh, central area of Canada. But I glad everything worked out for you and there was no risk to anybody in doing this, because when when I of course I'm reading the press release from the PR and seeing like Canada, I'm like, are these guys crazy, Greg and Tony? Like, are they nuts? Like, what are they doing? Right? So yeah, but it's very interesting. I am looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to many works from you there, Greg. So keep up the good nice. work. Right on. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep on pushing for sure. All right. Where can we get more information about if we're not attending these film festivals, as m- many of our listeners are not able to, how yeah. can they get some more information about Eddie's Kingdom? Yeah, I mean, our website is artaband.ca. That's the production company. And so, you know, we have, we have our trailer up there, and um, we're working with publicists to kind of get the word out on future screenings. And then... You know, we're, we're connecting with a distributor. We kind of have one offer on the table, but we're, can, you know, it's the first time I've done it, to be honest. So, yeah. you know, kind of want to get a few other distributors, you know, and kind of see what the offers turn out. So, you know, hopefully next year it'll, it'll you know, get on to um, some sort of channel or, or some, you know, Netflix or who knows. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's so many streaming, but, streaming services nowadays. I can't see why not, man. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) so many to choose from. So exactly trying to, but yeah, just figure out what's the best way to get it out there. Cause I mean, you know, I love the story and it's, it's, uh, no, it's surprising me that no one has really known about it. Even I grew up there and didn't really know too much about it, but it's, it's a wild one. So I think, you know, getting out there to people, in Canada and beyond would just be uh, pretty, pretty fun. Absolutely. And to also know that he's still alive today. Yeah. I, yeah. And and still walking around um, as, as, as I'm thinking Canada's first terrorist, I'm thinking the man should have been behind bars and, and or dead by now. And yet he, and, and that's just my vindictiveness that I'm thinking of, <laughs> but uh, the man is swimming in Edmonton and handing out his bio and doing well. So good for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, his quote to me, whenever anyone says a terrorist, or I mean, I ask him a bunch, like, what do you think when people call you a terrorist? 
and he says, I'm not dead. I'm not on the run. I'm not in jail. So don't call me a terrorist. Oh. You know, it's just like, like I said to me, I'm like, well, I don't think those relate. <laughs> you can still be a terrorist and yeah. not be those three things. So right. It kind of shows his, his perspective on, uh, on life. I think. Yeah. Unreal. Well, all the best again with this Eddie's kingdom, uh, going to be hitting up a ton of film circuits, festivals, and, uh, possibly we'll see, uh, in the new year sometime next year on a, on an on-demand streaming service somewhere. Greg, thank you so, so much. Yeah. Some great. Thanks so much, Joe, for having me on on the uh, on your podcast. Oh, or your show. Sorry. Yeah, no podcast show. Hey, archives up later on as a podcast, so it's all good. It don't yeah. matter. That's gonna do it for us here on the Joe Crawford Show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, following, and being a part of our show. Thank you to our guests, Camille Mitchell, Dyson Knight, and Greg Crompton. And remember, everybody, don't be ordinary, be extraordinary. Take care. <laughs>